On Friday night, a number of parents gathered together here at the church for an equipping evening called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. And as I was sitting in the first service this morning and, and worshiping and preparing in my head how to open this morning, the reality is what I'm about to share with you today is how you can live beyond your capacity. As you heard Pastor Steve share before he prayed this morning, this has been a tough week. How does a dad now face the reality of raising five kids? As I prayed for him the other night, my daughter said, that's, that's hard to handle. It is. But we do not mourn as those who have no hope. That's why I know Nick is going to be fine. Others of you this week I've talked to have had losses. Maybe it hasn't been a death, but you've lost your job, and all of a sudden you're a middle-aged man with a home, and how am I going to figure out how to supply for my family? You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Others of you, your families are going through a season of transition. You're going to be okay. Because we have hope. We have hope, and we're able to live beyond our capacity because of what we just heard. There's a man named Jesus, and he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. So I don't know what situation you are facing today or how the pressures of life are coming in on you and your family, but I sure pray that God, by his grace, through the power of his word and the work of his Holy Spirit, will allow you to leave this auditorium this morning confident in your heart and in your soul to know that you are going to be okay because you have a good, good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would be with us now as we look into your word. Thank you that we have the Bible, Lord, and thank you that we have it in our own language. God, I just ask that as we look into your word this morning, you will penetrate deep into our hearts and into our souls the truth of what you shared with the Pharisees that day, that you are the good shepherd. I pray that you would strengthen hearts today who are fearful about the future, fearful about transitions going on in their life. God, I pray that you would remind them through your word this morning that you are with them, you will never leave them, and you will never forsake them. So help us, I pray, to understand your word this morning and to be encouraged by it. For your name's sake and for your glory, I pray. Amen. Jesus was a masterful storyteller. And it was very common when he would begin to speak that crowds would gather in around him and push each other because they wanted to be near to him. They were captivated by the words that he was speaking. And if you read the scriptures in the Gospels especially, I'm always amazed at how he was always so aware of his surroundings and the settings that he was in. He was aware of them and he understood the cultural background of the people that he was speaking with. So much so that he was very particular and he was very careful and intentional with the language, with the words, with the illustrations that he would use in his stories, which we know as his parables. They were stories, they were illustrations, they were language and terms that the people could understand and relate to. His stories often centered on everyday scenarios, everyday situations that would have been common to many of the lives of the people, familiar to them as they listened to him talk. And Jesus told these stories because he had a purpose for them. They were a bridge. They were a bridge to help 
his audience connect to the heavenly truths that he had come to earth to proclaim and to declare. Truths related to his identity, who he was. Truths related to his mission, why he came. And truths related to his father's kingdom. He wanted to bring people to a greater understanding using everyday stories and illustrations to a greater understanding of spiritual truths, particularly related to the gospel, the good news. So throughout the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find 46 different occasions where Jesus told a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Over the next several weeks, we're going to journey together as a congregation and take a look at a number of those parables. And we're going to take a look at them so that we can understand what was the heavenly truth. What was the deeper meaning that Jesus wanted his audience to understand through these stories? And how do those truths apply and impact our lives today in 2016? And so we're going to begin that journey today. And we're going to begin that journey by taking a closer look at the account you watched from John chapter 10 verses 1 to 18 regarding Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Over half a century ago, Allstate Insurance Company sales executive Davis W. Ellis created a slogan that came as the result of a reassuring remark made to his wife during the 1950s when their child was not doing well. She told him, quote, the hospital said not to worry. We're in good hands with the doctor. And this is how the slogan was born, you're in good hands with Allstate. You're in good hands with Allstate. But more than a slogan, these words represented the company's commitment to provide their customers with quality insurance products, service, and peace of mind. Now this morning in no way do I want to disrespect or misrepresent the quality of the service of Allstate and what it provides. But as we take a closer look at this parable that we watched on the screen this morning and take a look at the reassuring remarks that Christ made in this story, I trust that you will be thoroughly convinced as you leave this morning and absolutely encouraged to know that you are not just in good hands, but in fact you are in the best hands with Jesus, the Good Shepherd. You are in the best hands with Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Whatever scenario you find yourself in this morning, know that you are not just in good hands, but you are in the best hands with Jesus, the Good Shepherd. More than a story, as we look at its contents, you will see that it represents Christ's commitment to providing for whoever, for whoever we're calling his name, life, assurance, and peace of heart, and mind. Let's read the first five verses of chapter 10, which is the extended illustration. In fact, the Apostle John in, in this chapter calls this the figure of speech that Jesus spoke. Verse 1 says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Here we find Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, the Jewish religious authorities of his day. 
and he's making a clear contrast between a shepherd and a thief. And then he extends that on to explain the contrast between the sheep who respond to a shepherd and how they respond to a stranger. If you've read scripture, you will know that the majority of the Pharisees made it very difficult and extremely burdensome for people to follow God. In fact, Jesus said of them in Matthew chapter 23, do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up, tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to even move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They were more concerned about their own religious image and about their reputation as religious leaders than they were about caring for the flock of God. Oh, they could put on a good show. I mean, they claim to obey all the written and oral laws. But in reality, they opposed God's work. They mistreated God's people, and they rejected Jesus' teachings. False shepherds, who Jesus in Matthew 15 calls hypocrites. People who worshipped him with their mouth, but their hearts were far from worshipping God. In fact, Jesus says their worship was in vain, and their teachings were merely human rules. Now remember at the beginning I said Jesus was the master storyteller, and he was always aware of the environment and the setting, and his timing was impeccable. What was interesting is this dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees took place just prior to a Jewish festival called the Festival of Dedication, which you will see in verse 22, more commonly known to us as Hanukkah. And this was a festival where the Jewish community would gather together to commemorate and to remember the rededication of their temple in Jerusalem in the year 165 BC. After its leaders had compromised on their culture and their faith and adopted foreign gods, foreign religion and habits and religion from the Greek and the Hellenistic world. That's why they lost their temple. But they were able to regain it back and rededicate it. And the Jewish people were gathered together to remember that day. But while they gather together, they also ask each other hard questions about the failed leadership that they were under. These false shepherds. How did it come to be that these people who were supposed to guide us and lead us and care for us would take on foreign gods and foreign religious habits and cultural habits? And so the Jewish people were gathered together to remember, to ask hard questions. In fact, in the synagogues during Hanukkah, you will hear them read prophetic critique that you will find in Ezekiel chapter 34 about their failed leadership. Listen to what the scripture says. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not care for the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so that, you were, so that they were scattered because there was no shepherd and when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. So they gather together, the Jewish people, at this festival. And it is in this atmosphere where people are dissatisfied and burdened by the load of the religious leaders of their day. And they long to be able to understand who their true shepherd is going to be. It is in this environment where they're asking hard questions about failed leadership 
that Jesus engages them in this extended illustration on leadership. And to do that, he uses a sheep, pen, a gate, thieves, and strangers. As I studied this week, I, I began to appreciate so much more the skill and the ability of Jesus, the master storyteller. And as I just think about it right now, can I encourage you? One thing we should all be asking God is, God, help us to be able to communicate the truth of the gospel in a way that my neighbor will understand. Jesus never compromised on the truth, but he took into consideration the people he was talking to, and he thought, how can I bridge what I know and what I receive with my neighbor who has no concept and no clue? Let us be thinking and asking God to help us to build those bridges. So I have such a greater appreciation for his ability and his skill as the master storyteller. You see, the daily routine for those who lived near the desert, as still is today, involved gathering all the sheep together from the different flocks and herding them all together into an enclosure at the end of the day. And often this enclosure or this pen that Jesus is referring to in his illustration would be at the base or the foot of a hill so that the cliff face would act as the back wall. And then they would build with rocks some walls, piled up rocks about waist high, and then on top of the rocks they would lay thorn branches for extra safety and for extra protection. This is the enclosure, and this is what they would do at the end of the day, to gather all the flocks together from different shepherds, put them all together, and put them in the enclosure for safety. It reminded me of a couple of experiences that I've had in my life. I remember the house we lived in in Zimbabwe. On top of our fence, which was already six feet tall, we then had all broken glass that was cemented into the top of our fence. Because we do, and you know if you grow up in Africa, thieves are not going to come through the gate. <laughs> They're going to climb the wall. They're going to try and sneak in behind when you're not aware because their motives are not good. Another opportunity I had to actually experience something similar to this was in grade 11. I had the privilege as part of one of the cross-cultural courses I was taking in high school to go spend a week with the Pokot tribe in Kenya. And uh, the Pokot tribe is a very rural tribe. Now, when I say rural, I mean they were not even aware of the name of the country they live in. They were just born in this area, and we live, and we have cattle, and this is what we do. They, they weren't even aware that Nairobi is a city in their own country. So when I say rural, that's what I mean by rural. And we had the privilege of going to spend a week with them. And my roommate and I, he was a great guy, Swiss-German guy, and uh, we got there, and there was a few little huts, and there was one of these enclosures about this high, a big circle, and it was all thorn branches. And in Africa, there's some mega thorns, all right? And there was, they were all intertwined together to form this enclosure with one opening. And as the day went on, I asked the translator, where are we sleeping? And he said, in the, pan, in the enclosure. And I went, in the enclosure? I was like, there's a few huts. Shouldn't that be a better place for us to sleep? And he's like, no, you're going to sleep in the enclosure because you're the guest of honor. And I went, the guest of honor? What are you talking about? Well, the Pocot worship their cattle. That is their God, is their cattle. So there's no greater place of honor than to sleep with the cattle in this enclosure of thorns. But I felt okay. I put my, I had one of those like camping mats. I put it down. Stephen put his down. I'm like, this is going to be interesting. And then as the day went on, sure enough, they started to herd the animals into this enclosure. And I was like, wow, okay. And then I felt more safe because then there was one of their warriors who stood at the gate with a spear and he was our guard for the night. 
So I felt safe from all the outside animals and all the predators that could come in from the outside. But let me tell you, if you've been to Africa, it is pitch black at night. And I didn't feel safe about what was going to happen in the enclosure. Because now I'm sleeping with a whole bunch of animals that are moving and weigh a lot more than I do and could deposit things on me during the night, which I'm not too comfortable with either. <laughs> but it was an incredible experience, and we made it through the week. But what was so interesting is I felt safe in this enclosure knowing someone was at the gate guarding me. This is the type of thing Jesus is talking about here. Then in the morning, I've, I've been in areas that are semi-desert, uh, and in the morning, it's amazing, even in the desert, how life comes alive in the morning. And the fog starts to lift as the heat of the sun starts to penetrate the surface of the earth. And you start to hear things moving. And if you're near a village, you will start to smell the charcoal from their little stoves that they cook on as it comes through the air. And this is what happens in the Middle East. The shepherds in the morning will come and gather outside the pen, waiting to take their sheep out so that they can lead them to pasture for the day. And there's three things that identified a person as a true shepherd. Number one was they actually came to the gate. There's only one opening and there's only one gate. And that one opening is so that the sheep and the shepherds could come in and out. So if anyone else happened to get into the, the enclosure that did not come through the gate, you knew they were a thief or a robber and their intentions were not good. So there's one gate. And so they wait outside and the gatekeeper's there. So because they're coming there, they must be a true shepherd. But secondly, the gatekeeper would recognize them. This was an under-shepherd, someone who would guard the gate and begin to get to know who the shepherds are. He would also stay there at night and guard the sheep. And so he would recognize this person as a true shepherd. But here's the true test of a true shepherd. The sheep recognized their voice. The sheep recognized their voice. I was amazed as I read about Middle Eastern shepherds this week. They are phenomenal. They are, they are known for personally knowing their sheep. They talk to them. Did you know they even sing to them? And the reason they do that is so that their sheep will become familiar with their voice, and when the shepherd wants to lead them, they will follow. Some of them actually carry a little short flute, and they'll play a tune repeated over and over so that their sheep will become familiar with that tune, recognize it, and when the shepherd wants to lead them, they will follow. I read an amazing story of a lady during the uprising between, one of the uprisings between Palestine and Israel in the late 1980s, and a village just out of, outside of Bethlehem had been captured, and the commander had got all the animals in the village and corralled them and herded them into a big barbed wire enclosure. During the standoff, a lady came to the commander and said, excuse me, could I get my animals out? My husband has died. They are my only source of income. Well, the commander looked at her, looked at all the animals mixed in, it wasn't just sheep, all kinds of animals in this barbed wire enclosure and said, I don't know who your animals are. How am I going to get your animals out for you? And she said to him, if I can separate my animals from those in the enclosure, will you let me take them? He laughed and said, absolutely, go ahead. So he opened the gate, and to his surprise, she stood there, called her 12-year-old son over, and he stood outside of the barbed wire enclosure and just started to play on his flute the same repeated notes, same repeated notes. And all of a sudden, within that barbed wire enclosure with all different kinds of animals, heads started to pop up, ears started to turn. And that day, that widow and that 12-year-old son 
walked away from that barbed wire enclosure with their 25 sheep. Why? Because they were familiar with their owner's voice. They were familiar with their shepherd's voice. The shepherd called their sheep. The sheep recognized their voice, and then the shepherds lead them out. I find that so interesting. In the West, we drive our sheep. We drive from behind or from the side. We use dogs. That's how we shepherd in the West. But in the East, what a beautiful picture of how Jesus does it. He leads us. The shepherds in the East lead their flock. And the sheep follow because they recognize their voice. They will not only not follow a stranger, they will actually run away from a stranger because they don't recognize their voice. What another great little story as well about how do you handle sin in your life? What voices are you listening to? Who is telling you and calling you and needing you to follow them? And do you recognize those voices as strangers' voices? Are they calling you to, to follow them in a path that you know is against God's will? One of my favorite examples is the story of Joseph with Potiphar's wife. As she called to him to follow her to do something that he knew the voice of God would not be pleased with, it says he ran. May I just encourage you before we move on from this, please recognize and make sure you know your shepherd's voice and be able to identify voices that are contrary to what God wants you to do and where he wants you to go. And if that is the case, you need to run from those. So the Pharisees would have clearly understood all the details that Jesus was giving them surrounding the nature of shepherding. But we see in verse 6, it says, they did not truly understand what he was telling them. He heard what he was, they heard what he was saying, but they did not understand what he was telling them. They did not understand the heavenly meaning behind this extended illustration which Jesus was presenting them. So what I want to do this morning in a very short time is just unpack further, as Jesus did for them, this illustration, this parable. And I want to highlight three spiritual truths that Christ was revealing on this occasion regarding his mission, his motivation, and his means. First of all, we've read the parable, his mission. What did he come to do? Verse 3, what does the shepherd come to do? He comes to call his own sheep by name and lead them out so that they will follow. Brothers and sisters, Jesus, the good shepherd, he came to call people to follow him. People like you and I who by God's grace will recognize his call and respond to it by following his call for people first came to his own people, the Israelites. But then as we see in verse 16, he was foreshadowing for them that this call to follow him was going to be extended beyond just them. In verse 16, it says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. In fact, one of the teenagers who got baptized this morning spoke about this. I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation that first came to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Jesus came, the good shepherd came, to gather for himself a flock of followers, first from among the Jews and then from the Gentiles. 
He came to call people to follow him. He came to invite people to come under his care, under his leadership, under his protection, and under his guidance. And I encourage you this morning, if you are here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you do not have a relationship with him, Jesus continues to call out to you this morning and say, come, follow me. He is calling to you this morning through his word. He's giving you the opportunity to hear the good news that he loves you and that he wants to care for you and that he wants to lead you. And so this morning, I would encourage you like those sheep, listen, you may hear his voice this morning and you will know that it's his voice because God will give you the gift of faith to believe that it is his voice calling you to follow him, to come under his leadership so that your life that feels a little out of control with no hope, no direction, not satisfied with where you're at, he wants to change that for you. That's why he came, to call you to follow him. That was his mission. Second thing I see in this passage of scripture is his motivation for his mission. In verse 7 through 10, Jesus goes on to clarify for the Pharisees more explicitly the motivation behind why he has come. Therefore, Jesus said, verse 7, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The motivation for Jesus coming to call people to follow him was he wanted you to be saved. He wanted people to be saved, not just saved, but to have life. In this section of scripture, you'll see one of two I am statements that he makes during this discourse as he's dialoguing with the Pharisees. Here he says, I am the gate for the sheep. Just like the enclosure, they would have understand there's only one gate for the shepherds to go in and out and for the sheep to go in and out. And Jesus here is declaring before the Pharisees that he is the only legitimate person through which someone can come into God's flock, through which someone can come to know God. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, he makes this even clearer for them when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me, the gate. I am the gate. And those who come through me will be saved, in verse 9. I, I sure appreciate how you are worshiping God. It's beautiful to hear your voices. It's beautiful to see you engaging in worship because that absolutely is the correct response for those of us who have been saved. His motivation was to come and save people from what? From ever having to face God's wrath for your sins and for my sins, which we deserve. That's what he came to do, was to save people from having to face God's wrath and to go away to eternal punishment, as it says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. Shut out from the presence of God forever. And if that is not good enough, he goes on to say in verse 10, I not only want to save you so you don't have to face God's wrath, but I want to give you life and have it to the full. In verse 27 of chapter 10, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall not perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
Thanks be to the good shepherd who came so that we might be saved and we might receive the gift of eternal life and have access to the abundant divine provisions to meet our daily needs. That's why I can confidently say, I didn't say it's going to be easy for Nick and his family. I didn't say it's going to be easy for someone to find a job that has lost their job. I didn't say it's going to be easy for families that are going through a season of transition. But what I did say is you are going to be okay if you know the Good Shepherd. Because he is with you and he will guide you. And if you know him, you have access to all the divine provisions you need to, for your daily needs. Just like a shepherd works so hard to take his sheep out where water is scarce and food is scarce and there's predators everywhere. The shepherds in the desert take their sheep out and they lead them and they find water and food. So Jesus, the good shepherd, will take care of you. He will daily provide food and water and at night he will grant you safety and rest. Brothers and sisters, our shepherd is skilled and very courageous. If we remain under his leadership, if we recognize his voice, we will find safety and we will flourish. Christ our leader came motivated by love to call us to follow him so that we might be saved and give us life. Unlike the Pharisees who Jesus was talking to that day. That's who he's referring to in verse 8. Those who have come before me are thieves and robbers. He's referring to them. He's not referring to the prophets that God had sent to warn people. He's not referring to the Old Testament saints. He's referring to anyone who comes presenting to people an other way besides Jesus. People do not flourish under leadership like that. And because they present an alternative way, another gate to being saved, their journey and all those who follow them ends at the final judgment, condemned and left having to face God's wrath. Brothers and sisters, with technology and everything that we have available to us today, can I just encourage you as a pastor, please be careful about who you're listening to and who you're reading and where you're getting your information from. Because unfortunately, as it says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 4, there are many who superimpose their own endless spiritual pedigree over biblical truth. We have God's word here. And by God's grace, we as the shepherds, under shepherds who have been placed to take care of you, we will do our very best to preach exactly what God's word says. Jesus is the only gate. He is the only true shepherd Anyone who comes through him will be saved. His mission, to come and call people to follow him. His motivation, he wanted people to get saved, and he wanted to give them life and have it to the full. In the final portion, verses 11 to 18, he unveils his means to accomplish this mission. The means to accomplish this mission of calling people to follow him, to save them and give them life, and the means to be able to accomplish that was himself by laying down his life. Four times in those last verses, in verse 11, 14, 17, and verse 18, he says, I lay my life down for my sheep. This is where Jesus also makes his second statement. In the middle portion, he said, I am the gate. Here we read, he says, I am the good shepherd. What makes a shepherd good? Verse 11. It is when they lay down their life for their sheep. You see, a shepherd 
is engaged and has an investment in the sheep that he owns. Therefore, he is willing to do what a good shepherd should do, even if it means laying down his life for them. Unlike the Pharisees, the hired hand who does not own the sheep, when they see danger, the first thing they're concerned about is their own safety, is their own interests. Rather than taking care of the sheep that they are supposed to be protecting and guarding, they run and they flee, leaving the sheep totally vulnerable. This is exactly the type of leadership that the Pharisees were demonstrating that Jesus was highlighting through the parable that we have read this morning. And Jesus came to display a totally different kind of leadership. Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. You see, the mission to call people to follow him, motivated by his desire to save people and give them life, is accomplished through his own willingness to lay down his life for you and for me. This makes Jesus stand alone as the only good shepherd, distinct from false shepherds who simply come to kill and to destroy. The most important aspect of Jesus being the good shepherd is that he is willing to lay down his life for his flock. He loves and he cares about you so much that he was willing to come between you and danger. He is willing to sacrifice his own life while we were yet sinners, Romans 5.8 says. He was willing to die so that we might be saved and have eternal life. Jesus' statements to the Pharisees that day reflect the depth of his love for people his commitment to protect and to provide. And the reason he did this is out of loving obedience to his Father's will. Because of his love for the Father and because of the Father's love for the world, Jesus was willing to lay down his life in accordance and in obedience with God's plan. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish shut out from the presence of God forever, but will have eternal life. Jesus was not a martyr, nor was he a victim of human conspiracy. He was, and he still remains, the good shepherd. Interestingly, Jesus the good shepherd became the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. This is why you're in the best hands with Jesus. Not just good hands. This is why you're in the best hands with Jesus. Because as the good shepherd, he provides and he offers today to anyone who will call on his name, here is what he provides and offers. Life. Eternal life. It's amazing to think Leanne is experiencing that fully today. Praise the Lord. Life. Eternal life. Not just that, but abundant life. Life to the full, as we read in, in this uh, section in verse 10. He also provides assurance. 
Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, the Good Shepherd. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, who is the Good Shepherd. So not only does the Good Shepherd offer and provide, not only was he revealing through this portion of Scripture, this parable, life, eternal life, abundant life, assurance, but finally, he also provides and offers peace of heart and mind. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the difference between an insurance company and the good shepherd. The insurance company can provide for you good insurance products, service, but they're limited on the peace. They can only provide you somewhat of a peace of mind. The good shepherd, Jesus came to provide peace of heart. He can handle and he can manage your emotions, your hurt, your frustration, your anger. He can manage your heart. And he can also help you to transform the way you think so that you will have peace of mind. Jesus, the Good Shepherd. This is why you can leave today, no matter what situation you're going through, knowing that's going to be okay. Because from the beginning of time, he had a mission to come and call you to follow him. He was motivated because he wanted everyone to experience being saved and to have life and have it to the full. And he had the means to accomplish it. It was himself. He willingly laid his life down for you. That's why Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love for us, that you were willing to send us a shepherd. So ironic, a shepherd who became the lamb, humbled himself, taking on such a humble position because he loves you and he knew you had a plan for us because we were living in danger. So thank you for sending Jesus to be our good shepherd. And Jesus, thank you for your willingness to die for us so that we might be saved and have life. And thank you that following you, we experience a rich and satisfying life that will go far beyond the grave and will last forever. Thank you for being a good father Thank you, Jesus, for being the Good Shepherd. In your name I pray, amen. If you're here this morning and you're not experiencing that rich, satisfying life that only comes from God putting his peace in your heart and in your mind, then all I have to say is Jesus is still calling. He's calling. If you hear his voice today, respond. Follow him. Receive salvation, eternal life, abundant life, assurance, peace of heart, and peace of mind. 
we will meet you up at the front after. Do not miss his call to you today. He loves you. And he was motivated by your salvation to come and to give you life. If you know Jesus Christ, how loud and how recognizable is his voice. If you understand that scripture, you see how close and intimately the relationship Jesus, the good shepherd, has with his sheep. He knows them by name. They know me, he says, and they hear my voice. Do you hear God's voice? Or has there been so many other voices that you just need to say, God, forgive me for being distracted. I've not been following me where you lead me. I've been talking a lot this morning about Jesus, that good shepherd. But I want us this morning to end by making this personal. And if you have received Jesus Christ's gift and offer of salvation, you have received eternal life, you have assurance, peace in your heart and mind, then I'm going to ask you as an act of worship to the Good Shepherd to make it personal. And we are going to read together Psalm 23 as we end our service this morning. Let's read. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. May God bless you as you follow his voice this week.